Hey everyone, it's Elsie from Chit Chat with E, and I'm coming to you from North Carolina on Memorial Day weekend. Such a great weekend we have with our family, and Love, my little dog, had such a great time as well with her little brothers. And again, I just want to say, I hope you guys will subscribe and like and share so we can look forward to other conversations. So let's chit chat. Some people live an entire lifetime and wonder if they have ever made a difference in the world. A veteran does not have that problem. Ronald Reagan. Our flag does not fly because we are free easily. We're protected by the soldiers that have died protecting this country. So let's honor them and respect the veterans. This is the reason that we have Memorial Day weekend. Um, let me start this by saying, wow. On our way down North Carolina, that trip was a little shaky. Uh, we had a rainstorm. And, oh my goodness, when I tell you, the truck, like, splashed all this water on the windshield. It was like, holy crap. And I couldn't see anything at all. And I stopped. But I didn't stop, like, instant stop. I just did, like, a soft, you know, break. That's how I learned how to do it. And um, the whole windshield was covered, guys. I was like, oh my God, you know, this was a moment. And... I stood in a calm state. Skylar was sleeping. She woke up suddenly from her sleep and she was like, Mom, what happened? And I'm like, don't worry about it. We're good. And thank God, you know, we were, we are good. We were, we were very good. So, yeah, the trip is worth coming here to North Carolina. But sometimes you, when it rains, I think you should just stop because after that, there was like three other accidents um, back to back. Uh, coming so I just tell you guys please drive safely if it's raining and you feel like it's a little rough or there's a lot of trucks out there because I, I think the trucks when they splash they splash pretty like hard um or don't go in between cars you get splashed that way um just try to stay solo or slow I put my um my hazard lights on because I feel like that at least signals that I'm going very slow so if you want to pass me go right ahead do whatever you have to do but I'm not going to do it so yeah, I um I'm I'm very careful when it comes to like storms. Like you know, sometimes you get those. It was a sudden like storm. Like it was like only an hour lasted, but it but the the whole splashing and all that stuff. People just want to race through. Like if it's okay, you know. Like it's yeah, I'm not doing anything. But you are because you're splashing from the back. Your wheels are splashing someone. So I always say, be considerate for other drivers. Not everybody wants to speed by. You know what I mean? That's pretty much it. I just want to say that was a little experience, I have to say, even though, like I said, the drive was um, um, the drive was worth it. However, you know, if you think that it's raining and it's storming like that, I suggest that you actually stop your car on the side of the road or put your hazard lights on and just go very slow. Remember, it is your life on the line. You know what I'm saying? Other people just, um, sometimes they're so inconsiderate, they don't even think about it. So... Just wanted to let you know. Take it easy, you know. You, you'll be there. You'll get to where you have to go. You don't have to rush through the, through the storms when they're coming through. So just to say a few things about North Carolina. It was actually a really great trip. We went hiking with the dogs. My mini golden doodle. She walked with the pack. And it was so amazing to watch her.
every time she does like something that she's so happy about i get so emotional because it's, it's like my daughter too when my daughter's really happy i get emotional but like watching this girl of mine my little dog just watching her going back and forth and splashing with happiness and i know a lot of pet owners can understand where i'm coming from that it's so it's such a different feeling it's like it's the same thing as almost like watching your kid but your kid is, is i mean of course that's everything and you know but this emotion is different it's like so like free and every time i see her running around so happy and everything and i'm like oh my god she's so sweet and, and so loving and and then when we're walking in the path she's waiting for me she comes back she goes <laughs> She comes back to make sure that I'm I'm behind, um, you know, catching up. It's so funny. It's so funny. That was one of the highlights. Um, another highlight was um, my daughter seeing her family. Of course, she was very happy to be around her brother and her father. She had a really nice time, and her sister-in-law. And we went out to dinner. That was really nice. We also went to um a brunch at Betsy's Crepes in Southern Pines, a little town that was uh, loved by our family it was really nice the brunch was wonderful um it was a crowded place actually very nice uh, town uh, i love the shops in that town that we went the people were nice it was a really different atmosphere from what we used to because we're in new york city not that we don't meet nice people all the time but i'm very friendly so sometimes you don't get the feedback of the friendliness in this town that we went to you get the feedback like you're friendly they're friendly it comes back you know everything was so sweet and the ride was sweet and it was it was an enjoyment i have to uh, admit also we went we went to aloha safari zoo and the zoo at first you're like oh my god everybody all the animals are like behind fences and they're like in this uh space but there are animals that they save so the ride was a little weird because you know there was a lot of fencing however like i said they um rescued these animals so they have to make a space for them right so i guess the fencing's the only and uh, maybe the inexpensive way of, of how to keep them. And it's not funded by the government. I believe it's self-funded. That we learned later on because the neighbor came by and spoke about it. He said, oh, I love that zoo. Oh, my God. They always have different animals that they save. And we were like, oh, really? Because the vibe that we got from the zoo was like, mm. It was like, you know, everything was, all the animals were fenced. But when I tell you, the animals, there was these tigers. And the tigers were just laying down, chilling. And they didn't look like they were, like, you know, you could tell, like, when the animals are not well taken care of. They look pretty healthy. They were just lying there, like, you know. And it says, there's a sign that says, stay away from the fence. Because a lot of times when they urinate, they shoot. <laughs> That's how close they are. When they urinate, you're going to get splashed by urine. <laughs> I found that to be so funny. Imagine that would happen. I would have been like, Wah! So it's like a shower. Because when I tell you, they're huge. The tigers up close. I've never seen a tiger up close. Huge. It's like they weigh like a ton. Oh my goodness. Beautiful, beautiful animals. And then we saw the peacocks. I never, you know, I go to the Bronx Zoo all the time with my daughter. And I never have seen a peacock open, you know, like spray open. And you can see all the feathers and everything out, out like out in the open. Oh my God, so beautiful. I was so in love. And I think the moment that we were there, it must have been the time for them to um, uh, open up their their feathers because they were like going, ah, ah, they were making this loud noise. It was so beautiful to see. I get like, 
I get like, you know, emotional when I start seeing all of these animals. They had alpacas. They had, they had a huge snake. Um, they had monkeys. The monkeys didn't look too happy. But you know, monkeys, I don't know. Do they ever look happy? They always have like that face, that grim face. Um, they had, how many were the animals? They had some animals that looked like deers. My daughter loved those. She looked so pretty next to them. And when I took the picture, one of them was like kind of posing next to her. They had, um, you can feed some of the animals. They had little goats, mini goats. Um, so many animals that they rescued there. And it was so amazing to just walk around and be able to be up close with them. So that was fun. That was a fun part. Um, like I said, though, the vibe was a little weird because of the, the fencing. But if that if that's how it is, they even had horses. I mean, they had so many animals there. And it's... Um, it's called Aloha Safari Zoo. And if you want to look it up, it's like self-funded. Um, so if anyone wants to donate, I guess, you know, I mean, I'm not a, they're not my sponsors. I'm not their sponsors. But, you know, for animals, I do anything. So I just wanted to tell you that. It was so much fun. So much fun. Now, I'm a sucker for any garage sale or thrift shop or anything like that because I like to collect plates. And we went to one and in the town, and it was so much fun to be in there. And we also, um, there was a park. There were so many things in that town. Um, so it was really nice. The atmosphere was nice. Um, the, whole, the whole thing, was it was a nice trip, I have to say. So I just wanted to say, if you guys are looking to go to North Carolina, there's a lot of other places you can go. It's not just one town. There's a bunch of, it's called the Carolinas, I guess. And you can explore and I was so excited to be there. I was like, this is a really peaceful place. A lot of, I mean, I'm sure there's, um, every every um, state has their own things going on. But this was really nice. And I'm looking to go back. So we really loved um, that little time that we had together. I just wanted to mention this. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I, I just wanted to mention there are hundreds of suicidal teens sleeping in the emergency rooms every night. The average is, uh, I believe it says eight to nine days, almost 10 days in the emergency room waiting for rooms because, you know, a lot of kids, uh, well, once you're suicidal, you have to go into a space where you're by yourself and they have to monitor you 24-7. And then after that, they um, they get you a room and then they get you back and, you know, try to get you back into uh, uh, society. However, it's a crisis we're having right now. Um, it's a mental crisis. The pandemic has left a lot of people damaged. But even before that, I think a lot of kids were doing these type of things like cutting and and all types of things that are involved with um, trying to commit suicide. It's really sad. And a lot of the emergency rooms are crowded. I don't know if that's the best place, but I mean, it's the first place you take your kids um, but the thing is, they have to monitor you in a space. When it's crowded, what can you do? You know, you really have to be there to watch them. So the hospital, the hospital becomes responsible for, um, for the kids. And it's hard, you know. It's hard. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that, that this is... Something that I will be looking into. I, I want to see how uh, I can help in any way. But, you know, we have a lot. There's like 1,000 young people, perhaps as many as 5,000 board each night in the nation's 4,000 emergency departments. And this, this was, this is happening nationwide. 
So you can imagine, remember pandemic? Everything was crowded and all that stuff. And then a kid is trying to trying to commit suicide. Where do we put the where do we put these patients? So this is something really that I think it should be focused on. I, I believe it's you know, we need to take care of our children before anything else, right? Because they're our future. So um I always recommend and I just wanted to mention this, I always recommend um therapy. You know, if you see any issues, please talk to your kids, ask them if they're okay and things like that. They don't want to talk to you. I always say therapy is the best way. You know why? And um, a therapist can listen and try to help in a way that maybe as parents, sometimes we can't because we're so close to the, you know, to the, to the person. So, and, you know, we take, we, we put our emotions in it. So I, I believe a therapist is not going to be put their emotions in they're gonna listen and they're gonna try to help and and like I'm, I'm speaking for myself I'm a mother and I'm emotional so my daughter's telling me this and this and that you already know I mean I try to be as calm as I can but there's no way hiding it they already know how you're feeling so just want to tell you guys I'm gonna leave the number again for uh, mental health especially in teenagers we need we need it, it takes a village to raise your kids and I know um this is hard for a lot of us, and it's a serious matter. So I just wanted to mention that. Oh, my God. The New Jersey Housewives was hilarious when Andy caught a fit. And he's like, shut up with his face. That's going to be a meme for a long time. They, Teresa's pissed, and she's really stuck to her guns. And Margaret is saying she didn't do anything. But... I mean, she really is. Teresa's really pissed. I mean, something happened there. I have a feeling it's more than what it is. And and then her boyfriend, Louis, is like, oh, calm down, calm down, calm down. He's telling her, like, you know, stop your behavior, whatever. It was kind of strange that he said that. And they and you could hear it through the microphone. Um, he's telling him, stop, you regret it, something like that. That was weird. Anyway, it was crazy. Talk show host Kelly Clarkson had a band on her show the other day, and she was interviewing them. They're called the Lazy Susans. And she asked them, how did you guys start? You know, they started, and they actually won a Grammy. And these are just women that work. They're, you know, working women, mothers, um, wives. And they decided to start a band. And they said that when they st first started playing, they were playing in places like, you know, a porch fest. And I'm like, Porch Fest? You know, you already know. I'm like, Porch Fest? That sounds interesting to me. So Kelly was like, how cool is that? Porch Fests are like, almost like a block party, but like on a porch. So I loved it, and I looked it up. And apparently, Porch Fests are going a long way. Uh, they first started in Ithaca, New York, um, according to tribalfeast.com. In 2007, the neighbors... Gretchen Hildreth and Leslie Green were the ones that really first started it. And they started with only 20 local bands. And they have up there up to 185 bands now. It became like an event, you know, in a neighborhood. And it's, you know, Pork Fest, oh, it's hard to say. A Porch Fest is a neighborhood party where homeowners open their front porches to serve as stages for local bands. And the bands are usually neighbors with local music fans that walk around from house to house and enjoy a DIY concert, meeting neighbors, picnicking, and exploring the local music scene. And this becomes like a whole neighborhood thing. Everybody goes around and, 
you know, like I'm sure they sell things and things like that um, for you to buy, maybe food, I don't know. Um, it became like a whole thing. I think it's so nice to bring the community together. However, you have to have a house that has a front porch. And usually they do in the older homes with like the large front porches, you know, the ones that are really perfect for, for the stage because it's pretty big, big enough for everybody to stand on and make sure it's sturdy, of course. <laughs> So you could pack a picnic and, you know, they have like a front lawn or whatever it is. Get your chairs out and you can go and, and you know, enjoy the music at a porch fest. And you know what? I think that's so much fun. I think it's so exciting. And you could tip the bands, of course. They're, they're playing. It's free music. But music is beautiful for everything, you know. Music, once you bring music into the act, everything is like the best. You know what I mean? So I, I really thought I love this. I really love this idea. And you have to be open-minded. The biggest thing about doing this stuff is having the passion and being able to share it with others. So people have to be open-minded about that kind of stuff. So it's a community-focused event, and I'm loving it. I love the idea of a pork. <laughs> I say it wrong. I love the idea of a porch fest show. So I was kind of hoping I would have seen a porch fest in North Carolina or some kind of festival. Um, however, it wasn't a time for that. So. <laughs> Another online dating scenario. <laughs> um, this one's a little old. I think I remember this one the other day. I was saying, I remember that guy. I spoke to this guy, you know, he said, oh, call me, call me, whatever. So we spoke and on the phone. We were talking about nationalities and things like that. And he told me he was part Brazilian and part Colombian. Normally, I would just say Latino, but it makes sense at his reaction in his story. During the conversation, he said that he likes to bike ride and he bike rides everywhere like he, he bike rides a lot like a lot he takes a lot of little a lot of trips and I'm like oh so do you have a partner do you go you know do you always are you always by yourself or you know I didn't say are you always by yourself I just said do you have a partner do you make trips with friends and things like that he goes no and I was like oh you don't you don't make any trips with your friends any once in a while he goes no uh, he does long distance trips by himself so you know he said he does them often so I was like oh, all right so um you take these long trips. Do you put music on sometimes? You know, and he goes, no, never. I'm like, all right. So it's only a quiet trip all the time. I know. Honestly, guys, I love nature too. I do. I love to take in the nature and all that. But he says he does it a lot. So it's like you're taking in nature a lot. So you're listening a lot. So when he does a bike race, I said, maybe you put some soft music on or something like that. If you if you bike riding a lot, don't you do different things to, you know, mix it up? So he was like a smart aleck. And he started saying, no, I don't do that. I'm like, all right, because he told me he was Brazilian. So, oh, so you're Brazilian. That's great. I, I, I submitted my uh, my DNA to Ancestry.com and it came back. I have a high percentage of Portuguese, and I was saying, oh, maybe the people, you know, I didn't say maybe. I said there, which is like a connection to the Brazilian nationality. He was like, nope, because they're very far apart from each other. Can you believe we got into like an argument? Because I was like, really? So why the hell do Brazilians speak Portuguese? Now, he made it seem like it was a thing against Portuguese and Brazilians. And I don't believe in none of that. You know, you know how back in the days they'd be like, oh, Puerto Ricans don't like Dominicans, Dominicans don't like Puerto Ricans, or, you know, other nationalities don't like each other. That's what it seemed like. I'm not into that. I hate that. But he he gave me that vibe. So I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I said, right, calm down. It's not that serious. And he goes, oh, then I, he started giving me a whole history lesson and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, so why the hell? Why do Brazilians speak Portuguese? Then I looked it up because I don't like to be, you know. And it says because Brazil was colonized by Portuguese. 
So there is some kind of connection there. I just said to myself, oh my God. So this is what I run into, guys. Well, this is the types that I run into. And you got to just, you know, run with it. Like say, okay, and never see, never talk. I never talk to that guy again, for sure. I mean, in the first uh, conversation, we're having this uh, history lesson. And then, you know, I don't like men like that, that try to talk down to you like they know more. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that feeling that you get. Like, what the hell? You think you know more than me? Like, what? You know, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was right about it, you know. And, and if I'm wrong, I would have said, oh, really? Teach me. Tell me. But he was too confrontational about it because he really has that thing in him that, you know, he don't like the Portuguese or whatever it was. And it really turned out to be an uncomfortable conversation, to be honest with you. And I was like, listen, Mr. Bike Rack Man, you know, you're not the smartest man in the world. You know, I didn't need this freaking history lesson. It was supposed to be a light conversation. That's it. That's it. He's a perfect example of, of that type of, of, of uh, personality. And definitely not a fun conversation. You know, I, I laugh at everything. But <laughs> he was intense, man. I was like, oh my God, go by the bike. Because <laughs> that was a lot to take in. You know, he rides solo for me. <laughs> for me. <laughs> He writes solo for a reason. Oh my God, that is so funny. <laughs> anyway, that was one of my scenarios. I went to a communion a couple of weeks ago and it was beautiful. The church, when I tell you, was on a hill. It was amazingly such a beautiful church. It was in New Jersey and I just found it a little strange. I don't know if it's just me, but... I found it to be a little strange that, so you know, the little girls usually dress like in a, a white gown, almost like a wedding dress, it looks like, and they look absolutely beautiful. They wear like a veil and everything, and it's a, an amazing day. What I didn't understand was, and I don't know, guys, maybe I'm just being, you know, me, Elsie, <laughs> but what I didn't understand were the parents. Some of the parents were dressed in white. And I'm like, damn, you can't get that little girl her own little shine, her own little day, you know? And I didn't understand why the parents were dressed in white. Uh, explain to me. I don't know if any of you guys think it's okay. I think I don't want to dress in white. My daughter's going to be dressed in white. It's her day. And I didn't want to dress. I wouldn't have dressed in white. However, And, you know, when my daughter did her communion, I did not dress in white. Just to let you guys know. However, but I didn't understand why the parents, it, was, it wasn't the only woman. It was male and female uh, parents dressed in white. And I don't know. I don't think that was cool. But if you guys have a comment, let me know. What do you, what do you think uh, about this? It, was it strange or no? Or, or I'm just like thinking too hard about it. <laughs> oh my God. It's like going to a wedding and the mother-in-law decides to wear a white dress while the bride is wearing white. Unless she suggested it and those are the colors she decided to choose, do not come in white mother-in-laws and mother. That's not cool. Just want to say that. So the other day I was watching a talk show with um, Hoda and Jenna. And you know, Jenna is Bush's daughter. I didn't know that. Um, she's actually very fun. It's so funny. So she had a guest co-host, Justin Sylvester, and they were trying an assortment of ice creams with unique flavors including everything bagel ice cream they had pizza ice cream and vegan vanilla ice cream with some soy sauce one of the flavors that they tried was everything bagel ice cream and it sounds gross to me honestly i don't think it really it tastes that good 
he tried it out and he said, hey, it's not that bad. So I looked into it and the Everything Bagel uh, ice cream is just what it is, I, I believe. It's um, garlic and onion, uh, which is delicious on a bagel or on, on an avocado toast. You know, we, we love that stuff. But uh, the flavor coming through in an ice cream, I'm not sure if that's going to taste good. So... A lot of people, like on New York One, they were talking about it, and they said people try it out, and they say oh, they have like an aftertaste of onion, so it's hard to get rid of the taste afterwards. Uh, but some people were like, oh, my God. The guy on the show, he was like, this is delicious. It tastes really good. So I was wondering, I mean, I haven't tasted it. I don't think I really am interested in tasting it. So I'm going to just say what other people said. <laughs> Kalia Martin on popsugar.food. Kalia says that in her opinion, it's a brilliant concoction. One that reminded her a lot of TikTok trend from 2020, where people will drizzle olive oil and pink Himalaya salt over vanilla ice cream. And she said the everything bagel is unique in its own way, but it still follows the same sweet, salty, savory formula that made the TikTok hack so popular. Okay, so she's comparing it to that. As for the garlic and onion, well, they're definitely there, but they aren't pungent at all. I think that if the ice cream were vanilla-based, it would feel like the garlic and onion were contaminating the flavor. But because it's a cream cheese one, ugh, it creates more of the complementary balance that brings out the natural sweetness of the two ingredients if you're a fan of bold interesting flavors and everything bagels i'm sure you like this ice cream as much as i did eh, i'm not interested but i'll be honest with you i went to a um a restaurant in san francisco one time uh with my sister-in-law at the time called the stinking rose and everything is garlic everything you eat in there is garlic and we had some garlic flavored ice cream. So this is not like a new thing, this whole uh, garlic and onion thing. When we went there, the food was amazing. We ate so much garlic. We were supposed to go out that night. We went back to the hotel and we fell into like a coma. Like we fell asleep all night throughout the whole night. And it was early when we left. It's so weird that we ended up not going out. And I'm telling you, it was so heavy that we just didn't go out we just fell asleep <laughs> but the food was delicious i remember having a great time in that restaurant so yeah it was called the stinking rose and again i'm not a sponsor but i'm just telling you my experience it's in san francisco and we had the garlic ice cream and the garlic all garlic food it was delicious i love garlic <music> I'm a little obsessed, I think, I'm thinking with the Johnny Depp trial. I don't know how many of you are keeping up with that. The reason why is not because they're celebrity. I'm actually surprised that they actually uh, televising this, this trial. But I'm following it for my own purposes. I just love getting information on the things that are unknown. Like we all know about domestic violence, but do we really, really know about the beginnings of it, the endings of it, 
how you can defend yourself. We only really know of, of what we read unless we have experienced it and you know, the survivors speak out on it. This is a chance to hear the inside, which is really a toxic relationship on both sides, to be honest with you. However, it's good to hear the details of it because you can determine or you can learn from something like this and try not to put yourself in this kind of predicament. It also um, sheds light to men that are being abused because women, we know women get abused and it's not fair, you know, sometimes it's not fair to us and the mental of it is really deep. I'm thinking that when I watch this, I'm learning not only that, I'm also learning some things because I used to sit in the courtrooms when I wanted to be a reporter. I used to listen to these trials over and over again. I uh, always took notes, you know, but it's been a long time that I've been in a courtroom. So just listening to the details, like the timing of it, like they say, oh, you have this time left and you have this time left. I didn't know that they did that. Then I spoke to my cousin who's a lawyer and she said, yeah, they have to do it because if not, they'll take up too much time of the jury. And if you ever been on jury duty, you know, we all have lives and we are kind of like forced to be there, you know. Then I spoke to my cousin who's a lawyer and she said, yeah, they have to do it because if not, they'll take up too much time of the jury. And if you ever been on jury duty, you know, we all have lives and we are kind of like forced to be there. So this is something that is really crucial to learning in my, in my, uh, um, for me to learn. So the timing of it, is, is just telling them that like when they finished their court um, battle yesterday, the judge goes, I'm gonna read you your times. So by them knowing their times, they know how much time they have to, you know, um, call a witness and um, also the time for their closing. So she gave them their times and I found that to be so interesting to know because I didn't really know what she was talking about times, you know, I thought, you know, she was just telling them the time of, I, I don't know, I, I figured it out, but I was just like, I, I wanted to know for sure. And then my cousin confirmed it. So I thought that was interesting to learn. And there's a lot of little things you can learn by the courtroom. And it's good if you have a child that wants to be a lawyer for them to look at this stuff because this is stuff that they will be doing in the courtroom. So because it's so long, which kind of makes no sense to me, it's so damn long, this, this trial, and it's sad at the same time. It's sad. It's maddening. Is everything you can call it. That's what this uh, um, this trial has been. It's good for a kid that wants to be a lawyer to to pay attention to like what's going on. Not the whole. Um, well, the domestic violence is good to know about, but the whole thing of the the court, how the jury, how they speak to the jury, how the lawyers are defending their clients, and it's good to see. How the mistakes that are being done, the critiques that are being done about it. I find that to be so interesting. So this is why I think I am a little obsessed with this case. On that note, I found this to be a little bit funny. One of the, the, the witnesses, which was uh, Johnny Depp's lawyer, and I'll get his name in. Uh, Johnny Depp's lawyer, he was on the stand and Amber, Amber Heard's, uh, uh, Amber Heard's lawyer was interrogating him and he tells him, uh, she tells him, she's, she, she tells him, 
Okay, so you were on Twitter. You used to twi- you used to Twitter on Twitter, right? You used to uh, post on Twitter. And he's like, yeah, I used to post on Twitter. But you're no longer on Twitter. And he said, no, I'm no longer on Twitter. Twitter has banned me for life. And he said it a few times. Twitter has banned me for life. He said it a few times, okay? Because she said, so you don't post on Twitter anymore. He goes, no, they banned me for life. I've never heard of Twitter banning people for life, but I guess... I think they did that to Trump too, right? I don't know, but he was banned for life. And that's that's kind of funny that that happened. You're like, he was banned for life. What the hell did he write? Now I got to go research to see what the heck that he wrote on Twitter that he got banned for life because I didn't hear the whole thing. So then, guess what the next question was? Do you have a Twitter account? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Why are you asking him? If he has a Twitter account, (laughs) if he was banned for life, oh my God, I found that to be so funny. Oh my God, I was cracking up. Like the questions, it's so weird how I guess they want to make sure that goes on the record, but he said it like three times, you know, Twitter has banned me for life. And he even said the year that he was banned and it's so funny that the next question was, do you have a Twitter account? Oh, my God. That's that's all about the uh, Amber and uh, Johnny's uh, case. Because, you know, of course, I'm a little um, I'm a little on the fence with it. But I do think uh, Johnny will come off a little bit better than Amber on this one. Because the way she is, you know, very calculated and she has her little entourage. I don't like that. When people have their own little group, you know, coming in. And uh, even though he had his group too, he had his group too. But this is like um, people that work for him. The the people that she brought in were people that he was freaking um, helping. You know what I mean? They lived in his home, for God's sake, for free. They were taking drugs on his dime. They were using his uh, money and stuff to, you know, support themselves. You know what I mean? Like... That's messed up. So these are the people that she's bringing in. So for me, that's shady. And the people that were, that came in for him were actually loyal people that work for him. So there's a difference. There's a difference. I find it to be, um, you know, I guess maybe they don't want to lose their jobs. I don't know. I don't think so. They were very genuine when they were talking. But they sounded genuine anyway. Her people sounded like, um, well, her sister, I'm not going to lie. Her sister sounded like she was uh, being real about the situation. But we don't know. Everybody's being fed lines to rehearse, and including Amber. And it's it's become such a freaking circus. It's crazy. And it's, it's I don't, I mean, the fact that it's on TV, uh, the fact that it's on um, display is crazy as well. But like I said, it's entertaining to watch and it's a learning experience for everybody to learn what's going on in the court. That's all I have to say, guys. So since I recorded my obsession with the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case prior to um, posting this, I wanted to just say that Johnny Depp did win the trial. I'm sure you guys know by now because this news is like 
all over. And I'm happy for him. I really am. I mean, even though we know he still has issues, like I said, but um, I'm happy that he was able to clarify his reputation in this way. And I'm saddened that a woman would go out of her way to say all the lies. It's so embarrassing. The jury came back with all the questions. Yes, 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 yes. Like, yeah, she lied and all these things. And it's like, oh, it's crazy and it's embarrassing. You know why it's so embarrassing? Is nationally, everybody saw this. It's like you committed a lie. You're, you committed a fraud, like on the stand, you know, and people didn't believe you. So, yes, he won. And I just wanted to add that to this episode because I'm glad that the whole thing is already over the trial. And I'm glad that I learned from it. So, that's pretty much it. <laughs> there are endless hidden gems to discover in New York City. You just have to know where to look. I was watching New York One the other day. And they had like a, they were talking about speakeasies. And... I was like, speakeasies, what is that? So I looked it up and I was excited to see. So speakeasies are hidden bars that like are in back rooms of uh, like a flower shop or um, it could be anything, a shoe store. And they were hidden in the 1920s. And uh, it was during the prohibition era. I found a few that were mentioned in Secret New York City. Also in, so it's like a combo of these, of these two. And also in uh, Time Out. And I thought that was so impressive. Let me tell you, there's, there's a few I'm going to mention. And I, thought, I really think they're really nice. And it says here, the last of New York City's speakeasies ceased operation in 1933. That's the year prohibition ended. And once that odd bit of wise legislation managed to pass, in spite of hidden entrances, decoys, and hooch obscuring levers and pulleys, wowee, zowie, all those gin joints turned in two bars <laughs> that's um time out and that was a little summary that they had some of them remain open in new york city and i wanted to tell you a few so let's see i want to talk about the hidden ones because those are the most interesting to me so this one's called pdt it has a concealed location down a few stairs inside a hot dog shop and through a telephone booth genre is classic it's really a cute place to me i don't know these speakeasies look like supper clubs to me it's really uh cute and they have like these unique drinks that you can't find anywhere else and they're absolutely amazing and then it says here it's also cozy and comfortable as a rich guy's hunting lodge inside and the drinks best in class so prepare to wait to enter most nights it seems like a job for superman what does that mean it must be really hard to get into this place and it was named number one in time out this one was also interesting keys and heels this time the bars behind the facade of an old-fashioned key cutting shoe repair shop but before you decide to split the rent with your date and scuff your stiletto in a dash out the door to start a new life of romance remember that the entrance is but a decoy only the drinks and snacks in the back are the real deal. <laughs> this sounds like fun. That one I want to check out. You can get your key made, I guess. Or oh, it's all fake. <laughs> the next one mentioned was um, in Secret New York City and was also mentioned in the timeout. is Attaboy and is located in the Lower East Side. And 
It was formerly known as Milk and Honey, and it has been reinvented. And the cocktail menu um, is whatever you're in the mood for, and you can trust that they'll whip up the perfect drink. That's what it says here. Attaboy operates on a first-come, first-served basis for parties of six or less only. So this is a small little place. And it says, be sure to get there to claim your spot in the bar. Imagine that. These little places are so cute. I'm not really a drinker, but I would love to uh, explore this and actually hop from bar to bar. The next one is our little branch. And it also um, is an ancestor. It says an ancestor to milk and honey. Um, and it has, this one has like a huge piano inside of it. But the place is so small. I think I would be so claustrophobic. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the booths are tiny. Everything's like so small. But everything's like, uh, the drinks are like top notch. And you get like the the best drinks they're saying here. This one is actually, um, this one's also hidden. It's somewhere behind, I don't even know. It doesn't even describe where it's at. But it says you go down a doorway, down a staircase. This one, St. Tuesday's in Chinatown. And it has, it's pretty new. And like any proper hideout, it's almost impossible to get in. But the recent addition of reservations make planning a little easier. How do you get in there? You must buzz for entry. Oh my God, to get into this bar, you got to buzz in. And then it's a, a, a few levels below ground. Downstairs, it feels like a private lair with the pulse quickening promise of intrigue. And like any proper hideout, it's almost impossible to get in. But the recent addition of reservations makes planning a little easier, at least. I don't know. These are not really secrets if they're um, advertising them. So I kind of like the secret New York City one best. This one's called Angel's Share, and it's in East Village. And it has a cozy atmosphere behind an unmarked, wooden door inside the east village japanese restaurant village yokocho oh wow and each drink is unique and all are worth trying that's a nice one bo peep midtown south this one is really cute it's actually um it pays homage to the tailor's fitting room that once resided there and um, it's a cocktail and piano bar with plenty of red velvet seats the bar itself was made from the tailor's table. They serve up fun cocktails with names like Foxy Lady, Sailor Beware, and Some Like It Hot. Ooh, it looks cutesy. And I'm just going to name like one or two more. Let's see. Oh, Employees Only. This one sounds good. I, this one's in Greenwich Village. Hidden behind a psychic's reading den and is known as Employees Only. And their drink menu is longer than most speakeasies, so you won't run out of things to try. Look for a neon sign that says psychic, a tarot card reader, and a walk through the curtain doorway to enter the bar. Sounds nice. Oh, and they serve dinner. Oh. If not, you can have cocktails and appetizers. And it's strictly walking only. Okay. All right. And that, oh, there's another one here. This is um probably the last. I'll probably do two more. Uh, this one is um, a, an adorable ice cream shop, but it's hidden behind an ice cream carton door and it's an incredible secretive cocktail bar. Uh, their drinks are sure to impress with ornate glasses, New York themed names and ice cream inspired recipes. We oh, that's cute. So it's like little ice cream, ice cream uh, uh, cocktail drinks. Oh, I like it. I like it. I think I want to go to this one. Oh, that one's called, this one's called the U.S. The U.S. U-E-S. U-S. 
<laughs> oh my goodness like i said they look like freaking little supper clubs in my eyes this one's named rain's law room union square named after a law from from 1896 that attempted to ban drinking in new york rain's law room is a swanky bar with dozens of cocktail options to choose from it was, it's hidden behind an unassuming black door so you'll have to pay attention to the address oh snap oh i want to do this so I, I i'm interested in this kind of stuff so interesting i just asked my niece who is 30 years old i asked her hey have you ever been to a speakeasy she goes yeah they have them all over new york <laughs> i'm like all right she said yeah it's pretty cool they're pretty nice they've been they, they were here since the prohibition era and i was like all right so you know what i'm probably the only one on earth that didn't know what a speakeasy was and there you go but i'm glad I, I got to tell you guys about it so you guys can try it out you can follow them online or whatever you want to do and um have fun explore let me know what happens so guys thank you for tuning in i have to say i love it here in north carolina it was so nice and we can't wait to come back and i just want to say guys Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. And if you're interested in having a conversation with Elsie on Chit Chat with E, please don't forget to DM me on Instagram so we can talk about our conversation. I love the interviews we're having. I have an upcoming interview and you guys are going to enjoy it as much as I did. Until next time, ciao.